Good evening, Northside. Uh, our scripture reading this evening is going to be coming from Matthew uh, 27, verses 32 through 44. Hear the word of the Lord. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross, that is, Jesus' cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God... Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who uh, were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, which is truth. And we ask this evening, Lord, that you would sanctify us in truth. We, uh, we need your help, O oh Lord. Send forth your Holy Spirit. Open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive the good news that you have uh, for us in your word. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, would speak through your word to us this evening. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it was the hour they were all waiting for. The promise of God given through his prophets was finally being fulfilled. Jesus rides into Jerusalem to finally reveal himself as the almighty king coming in the name of the Lord. Finally, those wicked oppressors, the Roman Empire, would be overthrown and the kingdom of God would come and all who were opposed to it would be destroyed. And yet things weren't going as the disciples had thought. They still had their minds on worldly things. And the next thing that they knew, their beloved Messiah was betrayed by one of their own and was being led To his death. And he wasn't even resisting. What is going on? And yet, this truly was the hour that they were all waiting for. The hour that all of history had been moving towards since Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden. The hour where the serpent would have his head crushed by the seed of the woman. The hour where death would be destroyed, where reconciliation between God and man would be secured. The promised Messiah had indeed come. The Lord God incarnate, the only Savior, is now nailed to a cross. He is pierced for our transgressions, crushed 
for our iniquities so that through his wounds we would be healed. The hour had finally come. Jesus would enter his glory through a crucifixion before a mocking crowd. And so I want to direct your attention to one critical statement that is made by this crowd. They say, if you are the son of God, then come down from that cross. And I just want you to think of the arrogance or the pride that is in this demand that the crowd is making. You see, this crowd is composed of human beings, creatures of dust who live on borrowed breath who only live and move because the Almighty God gives them, gives us life and breath and everything, according to Acts 17.28. And who is this Almighty God but Jesus Christ, the one through whom all things were created, and who upholds the universe by the word of his power? It is the Almighty God who these creatures of dust are ridiculing mocking and making demands of. It is the blessed God who created us out of the abundance of his love, out of the delight to share the supreme riches of his eternal life with us. This God is being mocked by his own creatures at the very height of the display of his abundant eternal love for them. And before you pass judgment on this crowd... You must know that that you and I would actually do the very same thing being left unto ourselves. For this scene reveals the wickedness of our sin. And not only because it nailed Christ to the cross, but also because at the apex of the Lord's service to us, the crowd in blind arrogance mock and jeer and throw his very own words back in his face. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Where is your great power now, you blasphemer? Where is your great power, you mighty man? It's pretty hard to do something with nails in your hands. It's pretty hard to do anything while you're up there on that cross. And yet these people, they knew the mighty works that Jesus had done. They knew his loving kindness that he showed to the poor and to the broken, to the weak and to the needy. They knew of his almighty miracles that he had done in in opening the eyes of the blind and giving words to the lame and, 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 uh, I'm sorry, words to the dumb and, and making the lame walk. They knew of his resurrection of Lazarus. They knew his almighty power, and yet they mock him to his face. They were at the trial, even, where he was declared innocent, and yet they insisted upon his crucifixion. And left unto ourselves, you and I would be in this crowd mocking. And I know this because here is the ultimate rejection of God. And ever since the fall, our natural orientation has been against God, has been to reject Him and to cast Him out, the Almighty God of love, to cast Him out of our lives. 
The Lord tells us this in Genesis 6, 5, where he says that every desire of our heart is only evil continually. Romans 3 tells us that naturally there is no one good, no, not one. No one seeks after God. And Ephesians 2 tells us that instinctively we obey the devil. We make him our God rather than the Lord, the only true and living God. Our natural rebellion and wickedness are seen particularly in our refusal to live as God calls us to live. He calls us to lay down all that we have in service to him and in service to our neighbor. To put off our desires for recognition and for blessing and to seek to promote the good of the least of these with the goods and the gifts and the blessings that he has already given us. But yet at at the the height of our selfish desire, we see that that we want to live however we see fit. And it actually shows itself in this passage. It works itself out in the fact that mankind puts puts God incarnate to the most excruciating and horrifying death. Why? Because naturally, as John says, we love the darkness rather than the light. And even so, what we see in this scene is Jesus Christ being uh, the Almighty God in full control the whole time. And we know this because in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is praying to the Lord that the cup would pass from him, but not his will be done, but his Father's will be done, what we see is Jesus rise to meet his accuser. Even though he could have fled, even though he could have called down an army of angels to come and to fight and to free him from what was to come, he continued to walk on. He allowed his creatures, those who he knew from before the foundation of the world, to bind him and to lead him to his death. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, the Lamb of God held his tongue while being falsely accused. But why? Why, Jesus, at your trial, would you not vindicate yourself, open your mouth, and speak of your righteousness? Why would you not do that? And it's because he is standing in your place. He is receiving Even though Pilate found him innocent, he is receiving your guilty sentence, my guilty sentence. And he willingly takes on our guilt in order to give us all that is his. Romans 3.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so... That is what we earn from living however we see fit. We earn what we earn from choosing our own happiness as the Lord, as the, the world tells us to do. What we earn is death. Because naturally our own happiness leads us away from, the, from God, leads us away from life, and can only lead us to despair in the end. 
And that is what we are seeing play out at the cross. Human beings choosing to seek their own happiness and to destroy anything that is getting in their way. Even if that is the Almighty God who gave them life. Yet he who knew no sin was made sin on your behalf so that you would become the righteousness of God. Again, Jesus allowed those he created, those whose very lives at that very moment he was upholding, he allowed them to beat him, to spit in his face, to ram a crown of thorns into his head, to whip him mercilessly, to spread his hands, to take his feet, and to drive nails through them. And yet what we see is Jesus in full control, willingly accepting the punishment for your sin, for my sin, against God on our behalf. And yet listen to the mockers in the crowd. He saved others, but he could not save himself. And this is supposed to be the mighty king of Israel? This is supposed to be our Messiah? Hey, don't forget that this guy even said that he was the Son of God. What a fool. Hey, fool, if you trust in God, let him deliver you. Where even is your God? Surely he wouldn't let you be nailed to a cross. If it is true that you are the Son of God, why don't you come down from that cross and prove it? To us. But the Almighty God pays no attention to the ridicule and the mockery because here at this cross, it is your sin that nailed Jesus to it. Your sin held him there. And yet he only remained there so that he could take your sin and drive it down into the grave and take it away from you as far as the east is from the west. He remained there so that he would take the wrath that your sin deserves upon himself and satisfy it completely. He remained on that cross to purchase you back from the dominion of darkness by paying for you with His precious blood. And here we see Jesus displaying his almighty power as the divine warrior who fights on behalf of his people. The humble king who rode into the city on a donkey is bringing his salvation as the prophet announced. Here, the triune God is pouring out the abundance of his eternal love upon you with the same intensity that the Father pours out the fullness of His wrath on Christ. You never have to worry about some extra bit, some leftover anger that God has waiting for you to mess up and waiting to pour it on you. No, Jesus has satisfied it completely. And you, through faith that this work was done for you, are set free to enjoy the fullness of God's love which works in you to recreate you and to lead you to everlasting communion with the almighty triune God. 
in a land where all sad things become untrue and only perfect love remains because our God dwells there. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. Now, in this life, though, we do not experience the fullness of this reality. We still face frustrations and heartache. We still face fear and anxiety. We still even face abuse and ridicule. Still, we must remember that because Christ did not come down from that cross, we will not endure this forever. And a Christian rapper has put this in perspective, believe it or not, in, his, in a song called The Never Haves. And in the first verse of this song, he, he talks about the frustrations that he's faced in this life. Reasons that people would say he has to be bitter and angry with God. He talks about the mistakes that he has made and having to deal with those consequences. And yet, at the end of the verse, he says it's the never-haves that have changed his perspective from bitter and angry to one of hope. And he says this, Never have I been so anguished, I literally sweat blood. Never have my friends slept while I wept. Never have I, been, uh, have I seen a smiling friend and accepted his kiss, only to be surrounded and pounded with clubs and fists. Never been interrogated by those who hated me violently. They claim I'm an enemy of God. Oh, the irony. Or stood quietly enduring slaps and spit because the purveyors of piety find me blasphemous. Never have I stood before a crowd who was unanimous and wanted to crucify me, instead released Barabbas. Never had a crown of thorns jammed into my brow, stripped naked while my captors mockingly bow. Never been between two thieves nailed to a tree, crying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I never will. Why? Jesus, if you are the Son of God, why don't you come down from that cross? Why won't you save yourself? Listen, if you have ears to hear, he answers. Because my Father has sent me to save you. That's good news. The question for us now, though, is how are we to respond to this display of abundant love for broken, needy people? Well, there are three typical responses that we can have. It's the response of gratitude, a response of fear, or that of indifference. And let me warn you, if, if, if your response is that of indifference, you are in a dangerous position. Because I fear that you do not understand the utter wickedness of your heart and your desperate need for a Savior. And, and I, I plead with you, I ask you, please pray to the Lord, ask Him to reveal this to you so that you would know your desperate need, and that you would see the provision in Jesus Christ. Our God is faithful and good and desires your salvation. 
Also, if you find that you are afraid because you do recognize your broken and wicked heart, and yet you, you do not think that you can ever be forgiven because of something that you might have done, or the depraved desires that you have, or the horrific thoughts that float around in your mind, or even this continual sin that you find yourself falling into, I want you to hear this. The Lord is saying, come, give me your wicked heart, and I will pour out my love upon it and make it new. Trust in Jesus and know that I have laid your punishment on him. Know that it is finished. So listen to me. Go to the Lord and he will give you all that he has because he loves you. And you can be sure of this because the Father sent the Son for you. For those of you who are grateful... Let this lead you out to reflect the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel of grace through word and deed to those whom the Lord has laid on your heart. Let this lead you to pray for those you love who may not know the Lord or those who you, who, who you know who do not know the Lord. Pray that they might know the beauty and abundant love that is found in Jesus Christ. And so the final thing that I would encourage you to do is, after this video is over, take the next few minutes to, to sit and, and to contemplate the depth of this love. Ask the Lord to aid you in seeing his love for the, for the broken and the lost upon the cross. Ask him to reveal to you his tenderness and loving kindness towards you. And to remind you that before the foundation of the world, he chose to pour out on you the abundance of his love in Jesus Christ. To make you holy and blameless before him. To adopt you into his family. Listen, the Lord God chooses to love his enemies with a love that makes them his children. Consider his glory at the cross. And and praise him. And let it lead you to worship the Almighty God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good to us, that, that you are the one who sits in the heavens and does whatever you please. And Father, it pleased you to become our Father through Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would move within our hearts to help us see your glory Lord, work gratitude within us because, Father, we confess that it is all too easy for us to become familiar with this story. Lord, work gratitude in our hearts that we might praise you. Lord, lead those who need to, who have yet to, to know you to yourself here. Let them know of your loving kindness, your, uh, your awesome power, and your glory. Let the name of Jesus Christ be lifted up and and proclaimed uh, in, in every area of our lives, O Lord. We thank you that you chose to love us first. We thank you that you have accomplished your plan. We thank you um, for your goodness and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.